Hello, everybody, and welcome to High Roll Radio, episode number 13. My name is Nick Gangley Divasqual. I'm your host, and joined tonight, I have my lovely, wonderful, beautiful, constant co-host, it's Spicy Appies. Appies, how you doing? Hello, uh, Nick, Spicy Appies Divasqual here. <laughs> this is our bit now. <laughs> I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Uh, set nine's been fun. Plants PVE, enjoying life. Touching some grass a little bit, you know. All right, well, if this is uh, anyone's first time watching or if you're listening later on, this is a live Teamfight Tactics call-in show where you, the viewer, are just as much a part of the show as we are. We will literally take your questions, your hot takes, your discussion points, anything you want to talk about live on the show. All you have to do is use exclamation point Discord in the chat right now to get into our Discord. From there, you will see on the left side the Submit Takes channel. Go ahead and put your take, your discussion point, anything you want to say. We used to do more hot takes, and then we kind of realized as time went on, uh, it, it works a little bit better if you just tell us what you want to talk about. Come on, give us a prompt, and the three of us will talk about it together live on the show. So go into the Submit Takes topic, throw your take in there, your discussion point, then go ahead into the waiting room and mute yourself. Don't deafen, just mute yourself. And then if we like your take, we will bring you live onto the show to uh, to chat. So now that I've given the spiel, it's, we, we, Abby, you and I can just talk a little bit. First, let's kind of recap kind of what's been going on outside of TFT, you know, personal stuff. What have you been up to? Because it's, it's been a little bit since we've done the show. It has been, yeah. i uh just been taking time away from TFT to enjoy life. I went to a Pokemon tournament and did you I met Wolf. Uh, I met Necra. Pretty oh, cool stuff. Nice. I met Lexar in real life. So there's like a big overlap between TFT and VGC actually, which is kind of weird. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was weird because I, I was sitting at the table first. I made it to day two. I did better than I thought I would. Um, and so I'm like sitting at the table talking to my my opponent who I had seen. It was like a weird moment because like, you know, I don't think about it much anymore. But like, I guess I'm, you know, I'm like to TFT as like a lot of people are to, to VGC now, right? Um, and then I'm like a, like one of the high level players or like kind of creator or whatever. And so I'm like sitting across from the, the, from Nick Navarre, who I just watched like top eight in an event the other day on Twitch. And I'm like, holy crap. Oh my God. Like, and ask for an autograph. <laughs> and they're like both sitting right there to like, holy, holy shit. <laughs> and then, yeah, it was cool. And I like started talking to him about how like I, I come from TFT and the wolf was like, oh my God, are you spicy appies? Like the guy who. I was like, oh my god, that was cool. It was very cool to meet them. I was like very starstruck. So it was, it was nice. That's awesome. That's so cool, man. What was the uh, what was the event actually like? Like, was it was it big? Yeah, it was like I think it was like seven hundred people just for VGC competing, and it was like in this giant convention hall in uh, in Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and so there was like a, one side was like all VGC stuff. The other side was, which is the video game, like the double battle thing. And then the other side was TCG, the card game. Uh, and then there was like Pokemon Go section as well. Dude, Pokemon Go fans, they pop off so hard. Like there was a, so there's a little stream set up in the, in the side area, right? It were like, uh, were like two people be selected and they go up and they'd play on stream. And there'd be big crowds like watching it, like live. And Poke the Pokemon Go crowd was the loudest, like most insane crowd I've ever seen in my entire life. Anytime, like I don't know how to play Pokemon Go, but you see one of them start going like this, like just tapping like crazy for anyone who can't see me. And then the whole crowd would be like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it was so cool. They, they seem like a really good community. 
I I don't know anything about competitive Pokemon Go except that Ken, like the the, the king of Smash, uh, plays competitive Pokemon Go. That's oh, all does I he? know. Yeah, yeah. I oh, I, just see him, I just see him tweet about it, um, but I don't know anything beyond that. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's pretty hype. How yeah. uh? So actually, something a little bit more relevant for like today. I don't know because you're East Coast as well. Are you seeing the smoke of the Canadian wildfires? I haven't. I, I, I didn't even know it was a thing until I saw uh, the th- like a, a post about how like there's like, this giant Diablo ad in New York and like saying like welcome to hell New York and then <laughs> the whole sky is like it's, it feels kind of fucked to laugh about this because it's so no just the environment I, I, but like it, it's insane. It's crazy. I mean, in Jersey, it's not it's not quite as bad as New York City, thank God. But it is. I mean, it's just yellow outside. I, I literally like I I went for a walk, which was like probably not wise because it was probably like <laughs> I, I told I was at I was at work and I was like I'm going on a smoke break, which means I was just walking around a pond <laughs> with, with, surrounded by you know tons of smoke everywhere. Um, but no, it literally felt like I was in a movie. Someone made the joke that like if we were in a movie right now, you would be somewhere in mexico because it was just like a yellow filter over everything which like they kind of do in movies <laughs> yeah whenever yeah. they're showing you know to be in mexico <laughs> but yeah jersey is pretty crazy right now it's definitely like everything smells like a bonfire it's it's definitely does not feel good to breathe outside it's all yellow it is kind of horrifying so um damn hopefully that gets cleared up and i heard new york city apparently right now is the most polluted has the worst quality air in the world as of right now so did not before. No, it did not. <laughs> That's surprising. <laughs> uh, so hopefully this all gets taken care of soon because well, uh, I mean, kind of done with it all. How has life been outside of the the walking in in a, in a movie? Well, life's been good. Films. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people have seen anyone who's watching this show probably knows that we released the the K3 Soju documentary last week, um, which was, I mean. It was definitely a weight lifted off my shoulders for so many reasons. It was in production for a long time, and then it was sitting, not doing any, just on the shelf. The release was kind of, we were unsure of when it was going to get out into the public. And then on top of that, it's like it finally gets released, and you have to wait and see like what people say about it. And I was, I was telling Abby's before that I really tried to not look at like what the public perception of it was. Um but it's hard, you know, when you when you release something, you want to know what people are thinking. And I'm really, really glad to be able to say that people were super encouraging and very positive about it. Um, and so just shout out to everyone. I had so many people from TFT DM me or say, talk in my Discord server saying that they loved it or that they liked a specific part or that they liked seeing this kind of content. Um, and to be honest, it, it like really made my day. Those two days, I was so stressed leading up to the actual release day. And um, to see so much positivity from the community, it it really, really made me feel good. So just thank you to everyone. You deserve it. That it was so good. It was such a good documentary. Well, oh, if- anyone who has not watched it, just go look up Soju documentary on YouTube. <laughs> I'm sure it'll pop. It is it is like S tier content that TFT really needed. Well, and if you're interested in learning more about it, after the stream today, right after Hyrule Radio, I'm going to be doing a watch through of the documentary where I'll give you a little bit more of like the behind the scenes, talk through some of the moments of the doc. Appy's knows pretty much everything, but I mean, there's some (laughs) there's some really cool stuff that went on where I think when you actually get the context of like how things happened, 
it would kind of blow your mind. Um, so I definitely encourage you all to stick around. I think it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk through it all together. Um, but yeah, for you know, outside context, of that, I was gonna say for some context on how long this has been cooking. Like at Summit, I remember you watching it, you like like giving us a little preview of it, and it was like. Yeah, and it, it was, he's been working on this for a long time. So it was pretty close to done at Summit too, if I remember correctly. It was probably like eighty percent done, I think, right? Because it still it had all the set seven regional stuff in it, or no? Did it? I, uh, yeah, it did. I remember watching the Bryce part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There, it's so God, it's it's just it all works so well. <laughs> yeah, so it definitely it definitely worked out. So you know, there's that. I have a couple other documentaries that I'm trying to finish up right now um, and then some other work stuff. So it's been hectic. I haven't gotten to play much set nine, but I'm trying to wrap up everything soon so that I can have a little bit more time to play some games. Um, Scara doc coming soon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> hey, fun fact. I reached out to Scara about appearing in the Soju documentary and he never got back to me. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fun fact. Unlucky. Yeah. yeah unlucky. Absolutely. You go. All streamer. Right. So we've got we've got plenty to talk about today. I said we just go for it. And so one thing I want to let everyone know who is watching, again, if you guys want to go in the show, I gave the spiel before, most of you know how to get on, but we'll probably just bring callers on as they are relevant to whatever it is we're talking about. So just a quick breakdown of what the night's going to look like. We're going to talk about Set 8 Worlds. We're going to recap that, talk about NA taking the title. After that, we will talk about... Well, actually, I guess we talked a little bit about the Soju documentary already. Maybe maybe we'll go back to that if anyone has anything they want to talk about. But I don't really know how much there is to really talk about apart from just watching it. Um, we also have, obviously, Set 9 PBE. We have all the new things that have been announced regarding uh, Set 9. So even if you haven't gotten to play it but you've heard about some of the new things you want to talk about with legends portals blah 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 feel free to share a take about that and then obviously one of the, the some of the biggest news that we've heard recently is the set 10 LAN that was announced in vegas this december i think it's december 8th through 10th 512 person open brackets we'll talk all about that stuff so feel free to uh drop a take in we'll bring callers in throughout the night so let's do it set eight worlds North America wins, re-replay, takes home the title. Uh, Dude, tell me a little bit first, Appies, where like where were you when it happened? Were you watching live? <laughs> where were you when I was, North America uh, won? Where was I? I was Oh, you know it was? It was I was going to uh Miss Appies' parents' house for like a barbecue that morning. Um era is like, like in the afternoon, like in the car ride there. I was watching my phone as you won. <laughs> and I was like, let's go. NA1 Worlds. <laughs> and then Alyssa was like, nice. <laughs> no, that was the extent of the excitement for me, unfortunately. And for, for us. But I, I was, I mean, it was, it was awesome. Dude, he, like, Replay and Setsuko really played out of their minds. I mean, as well as Juke U. Um, everyone from NA really, really. Yeah, we had three records, right? Was there Wajin one more? Well. Wajin, yes. Wajin as well. Sorry. I, I Wajin, yeah, Wajin popped off super hard, too. I, I mean, mm -hmm. everyone just did really well. It, it's... I feel like this was the only time I've ever seen. And obviously, I guess it's the only time we've won, but also anytime where I feel like there was a clear gap between like North America and the rest of the field. It felt like it, right? Like uh, Tetsuko top one both the first two days, replay like right up there with him both the first two days, and then they just looked really good the whole event. Yeah, they did. I mean, I will say it felt like a huge gap. 
until like the very end of day two, I felt like where Weijin and Juku both like went like eighth eighth. Yeah. Like they both like <laughs> dropped very hard, very fast. But they were both kind of playing that like first or eighth style or something. You know, they they were on the cusp at that point. What's the difference? Um, and then Tetsuko didn't have like the best day three, but even still, like, I mean, I, did you see the numbers that like NA had a significant gap in AVP between them and the second place major region yeah. who had like multiple representatives. Uh, and this isn't the first time like NA has the best average AVP at worlds. I guess you could just say in best general? AVP at, at worlds in general. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I knew yeah. That. Yeah. Despite the fact that we've never won, we, we, typically have hey, we won one that's right that's true now now we have <laughs> even going into it yeah yeah and uh, has been going into it too yeah yeah going into that's it crazy. we we had the best avp at worlds despite having never won and now obviously we definitely maintain that while having a world title under our belt and it's well, kind of I mean, crazy that like setsuko and re-replay were the top two because they felt like the top two, right? Like going into Worlds, like that's who we would have put our money on to win Worlds. And maybe more people would say Satsuko over re-replay, but like, man, they actually did it. And that's like, yeah. it's not all the time in TFT you get to see that happen. People who say TFT is all luck are just shaken after that Worlds. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think they, they really... Not that it hasn't proved a million times over anyways, but they, they really proved that like there is a level of consistency to TF, like being good at TFT, right? Like you can you can be consistent TFT if you are just really, really good at it. Um, and they were, and they are still very good at it, obviously. It was, it was cool to watch. I'm very happy that uh, they took it home. I you know, I think uh, as far as like Setsuko on day three, this is my this is my my theory. Uh, I feel like Setsuko is just really prone to nerves. So I feel like in like like the only reason he's ever had like that like ladder warrior moniker too is just I think he was more nervous in tournament. I don't think like there's a huge playstyle difference between ladder and tournament, at least at this point in TFT's history. Like, you know, like like ladder's very good. Tournament is is just if you try to play different in tur- differently in tournament, you're just gonna crash and burn because you need to play how you practice. Um and I feel like maybe that's go is just bundles of nerves over and over again until you made it click. And now, I mean, if, if that is the case, then, you know, day three of Worlds and you could potentially win the World Championship and become the, the first player in, in history to be a North American World Champion, like, that's where the pressure's on and maybe it got to him. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible, right? Like, he talked about it in on Don't Talk If You Don't Know for uh, even, like, the Mech, or not, whatever you want to call them, these, like, kind of second-tier events of, like, Mecha Cup, corrupt a cup defender cup those kinds of things where yeah like you're saying he's even had nerves in in those moments so how much more would he be feeling it in in the final day of of worlds i got to talk to re-replay after after he won in a in an interview and one thing i i brought up to him was the idea of um like comfort in tft there's something i noticed when i was so how do i say this I, I've been a, a re-replay fan for the majority of, or like for a decent amount of the set, but I didn't really watch him all that much until regionals. And at regionals, I got to see him play a decent amount. And I noticed, you know, like everyone, he's playing this like 80 flex. Like he, he's playing a lot of like infinity team. He's playing a lot of kale openers, blah, blah, blah. Um, and one thing I noticed was like certain players, you can kind of tell when they get into like a groove, when they come and play in a, in a comfort spot. And at Worlds, there was this one moment, and I, I want to say it was on day two, 
where I randomly like go to his stream to see see his board, and I see a level eight board that's like some sort of like Infinitim kind of flex with a Ramus in the front line as well. And as soon as I saw this board, I thought to myself like, oh, this is this is a top four. Like re-replay yeah. always top fours this because this is the way he wants to play. And it kind of it gave me this feeling that I think I don't always feel in TFT where it's like, you know, you want to play to your outs, you want to play to the odds, like you want to play what the game gives you. But at the same time, I actually think that TFT is still the kind of game where people can have these like signature moves or signature boards or even at least like parts of their game where fans can say like they've done this a million times and they can do it again. You, do you know what I mean? No, I do. I do. I think uh, I, I test a lot in coaching. No plug. Um, but I think it's really important to have an idea of what you want to do in any game of TFT. When and the thing is, there's a lot of things that go into what you want to do, right? Whether it be um, you, what your resources make you want to do, what your and is in your items and your your augments, your what units you have, where they make you want to go. Um, but a, a big part of that is that some in some situations you have too many options to really you know like like delve deep into it and, and like like there's too many ups and downs to every line, right? It's really on like stage one and stage two of your, when you're holding units to like set yourself for the game. You know, if holding one unit over another might just be a matter of preference. And it's really important to actually play the game in a way where like you, you do keep your preference in mind because, you know, if you don't have something to fall back on, if you try to play, like playing flexibly is not playing anything from any spot. That's a, that's a, a myth. Mm. Playing flexibly is playing anything from the right spot, right? And for... <laughs> For for a lot of people, like like there isn't always gonna be like, like for a lot of spots in TFT, there isn't always gonna be a, like a night and day answer, like a clear like this is the best thing. Sometimes there will be right, um, and sometimes it'll be like it'll be close, but you'll still be able to like like reason it out. But sometimes it's close enough, and you don't have enough time, and you're under stress, and you have to say, I'm gonna play this line because I like this line, because I'm comfortable in this line, because this is what I fall back onto. Because I know I played this a billion times, I know exactly where it spikes, where it, where it needs to be, where it wants to be, and so I can I know how to you know navigate it well, and that's totally fine. Like like T there's definitely room in TFT. Um, like like I don't think we'll ever get to the point where we can be so optimal that what you want to play is never in, in consideration. Mm. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And you know what? It reminds me a little bit of something we've talked about on the podcast before, which is like. Sometimes it's kind of okay to put players in boxes. Uh, I think of like set six, uh, like vanilla set six, not 6.5, where you were, or was it? No, it was six, yeah. Where you were known as like one of the few Arcanist players alongside Ramblin, right? That was vanilla six? That was yeah, that was, my, that was my jam. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think there's something to be said, even on like the fandom side, where when you can narrow these players down to like, oh, I resonate with that play style. And so I like that kind of player or even like, oh, I know this player. I don't know that much about them, but I know that they typically like to play this. It's kind of like easier to hold on to. You know what I mean? Like, and and so I think going into Worlds, even if you hadn't watched a ton of re-replay, but you knew like, this is the guy that if he gets a, an infinity, it's a Ramus, like, he wins the game. He, he, he just wins. the game. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's really cool. And I felt like the fact that that kind of clicked for me, um, in a set where, like, admittedly, I've definitely been more out of touch than than previous sets, it was a really cool moment for me to say, like, oh, man, I feel like a fan of this game because I was able to recognize that moment. And I, I hope that there are other people that got to feel something similar to that as well. 
I will say not to not to pivot into set nine talk yet, but I will say because I think this is a very direct correlation that that's going to come out a lot more with legends, because um, legends like directly lets you play towards a certain style. Um, so like you know the the you know maybe Setsuko's taking TK every game or Soju's taking TK every game. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, oh, yeah. like he's a TK player, you know. <laughs> like I know this. <laughs> Yeah, I, I we can. I definitely want to talk about that. Let's try to remember to circle back to that because that's a really yeah. good point. I definitely, I feel like that'll that'll be really good for the uh, for the set nine um, part of the conversation. Um, another thing to talk about with set eight before we kind of let go of that and move on to some other things is don't talk if you don't know. Power rankings are releasing tomorrow as of recording. It'll be Thursday, June 8th when they when they go live and put out all of that information. Unless they actually it's possible they release the the actual PR tonight. I'm not exactly sure how it works. But all set long, people have been saying Dishop Setsuko, Dishop Setsuko, and then really after regionals, just Setsuko is number one. And then all of a sudden, Re Replay, who was kind of this fourth, fifth kind of player for a lot of people, or for some people, has one world. The question I have is: Is this enough to put Re Replay over the over the hump and make him first? I think there was a very similar situation. No, no, it's like slightly similar. Where um, if you remember Goose in set, what set did he go to Worlds? Was it six? Six. Yeah, um, he had a really, really bad set six in like a kind of mid set six point five until regionals and then until Worlds where he like got to the final lobby, and then all of a sudden like, he he was like. Uh, like really, 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 really high in the power rankings yeah. after like doing poorly the whole set. And I love Goose, right? And he was he's a very good player. He was very good. Um, but I think with like like power rankings being a, supposed to be representative of like an entire set's worth of performance, I think like like similar to how I wouldn't put Goose maybe as high as he was in that power ranking. I as much as you know, I love Goose. I I don't think I could put re replay first. I would definitely. Like he's he's been and that, that's not to say that he had a poor set six or, or set uh, eight or eight point five right because he he was very good the entire time, um, but I think Setsuko was just better the whole time until maybe until Worlds right, um, mm. and which is why I probably put Setsuko first and then replay second. Man, okay, I have a lot of thoughts. I, I first wanted to just say that it's funny you bring up the goose thing because. More than, and this is maybe a hot take, more than my uh, putting Solus rank one in the earliest <laughs> set six and then and rank two in 6.5 when he didn't even play the game, I genuinely think my greatest failure as a Don't Talk You Don't Know panelist was actually ranking Goose high at the end of set six. That is actually the the pick I made in the rankings that I think about most often when I think of like poor rankings. <laughs> Keeps you up at night. <laughs> no, and, and and I say this I say this as someone who obviously like Goose is an amazing player. He made final lobby in set six worlds. You don't do that by mistake, right? Like obviously he's yeah. incredible. But he actually, I don't even know if you know this, was not even on one or maybe even two of the power rankings because he wasn't considered by most players to even be top 15. He had pretty much, a, like you said, like abysmal tournament performances in, in set six. And then it was just the recency bias. It was too hard to like pass up. You see a really strong performance at regionals yeah. followed up with a final lobby. And, and it's so easy to forget that. But you, you make a really good point and actually is making me rethink maybe the way I <laughs> casted the ballot this time because I did put re-replay. Um, I, I put re-replay because I 
Okay, in Tet 7, I was the only person to not put Rainplosion as rank 1 at the end of the set. I put Asa because I said that Worlds should not be factored in between two players when one makes Worlds and one doesn't because the target to make Worlds is very small. Like, there's a lot of variance into who actually gets to attend Worlds, right? And personally, yeah. I don't think that that gap was wide enough to say that Rain was significantly better at, than Asa, and that's why she made Worlds. I think that there was a world where Asa very well makes Worlds, playing just as well as he did when he didn't make Worlds. But this set, it was different because both Tetsuko and Riri play made Worlds, right? And so you he kind of have to... Yeah, and they both yeah. made final lobby, and they both popped off days one and two. They were, they were, I don't know if they were one two at the end of day one, but I know they were one two at the end of day yeah, two, yeah, right? Two. Yeah, and so it was really hard because even then, it's like Satsuko is ahead going into Worlds. He makes final day. Is there anything more that he could have done, like to actually get rank one? And I, the way I kind of felt was like Satsuko did the only thing that he could have done to not get rank one in a way, which is that he had a really, really poor showing when it mattered most. And I, again, it's hard to say this, like as someone who's not nearly as good as them, and I'm not a challenger player, but I don't think that Tetsuko placed, got 10 points over five games just because of variance. Like, I don't think so. I, especially coming out of the 12 games. I think games he was before, really nervous. Yeah, I think I that's super yeah. fair, right? And like that's what you're saying before too. Like th that makes sense, and to me, it's hard to ignore that when re replay carries the momentum of the last two days and dominates yep. on the final day. And the way he won, like there's so much spectacle to it. It's it's NA's first <laughs> world championship. It heads up between <laughs> NA and China in the final fight. Like it was so insane. It's it's hard to ignore all of those things. And maybe it is recency bias, but it does feel. Um, I don't, it's, it feels heavy. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's hard to get. No, I, I get that. It does. It's, I, I feel like I would say that maybe, uh, maybe replay was like the better competitor, but not the better player. Hmm. Like, I feel like he did better at the comp. Like, I don't think, I don't think replay was better at TFT than Setsuko this set. But I do think that replay, you know, he did, he played better when it mattered, right? At the very end of the set, he, he, he did what he had to do. Um, he was like a more consistent competitor. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it depends on how you want to look at it, right? Because like it, a power ranking you should take into account both those things. I think both how well they are as a competitor, when they how they can do in the clutch, as well as you know how good they are just in general, right? Well, you know, it, this this conversation reminds me of something that I first thought of back when back back when I started tracking the stats. I I kind of got flamed uh, by a lot of like the top players <laughs> because it was like. Oh, he's talking about the stats, but like this data is fake. Tournaments are too small. Sample size, blah, 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 blah. And um, one of the ways that I justify looking at data in TFT, especially at the end of the set, is that data is descriptive, not prescriptive, right? Like it tells you what happened, but it doesn't tell you what's going to happen next. Yeah. And so I think it actually does work really well in this context when you are, if the prompt is, you are looking at a timeline of TFT set eight and 8.5, and you have to pick a random point in time and then tell me who is most likely to be the best player at that point in time. It's probably set to go, right? Like, 
And that yeah. actually, because I, again, like I did put re-replay, but as I'm thinking about this now, like the argument for Setsuko feels stronger and stronger, right? Because like that I think is a very fair prompt. If you had to choose who goes to Worlds based off of any random point in time during Set 8's lifespan, I think it's probably always going to be Setsuko or Dish Soap. Um, yep. To be fair, though, it's that's very uh, it's biased towards personalities. It's it biased towards um, popularity, and it's biased against up and comers because they haven't had the opportunity to prove themselves. So it's not perfect either way. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough conversation in terms of like actually finding an answer that everyone would be happy with. I don't I don't know if there is an answer that everyone would be happy with, right? But I think we can sort of solidly say that like replay and sets go both. Are, are absolutely absolute beasts or I would say bouse bouses bouse. what is, is that <laughs> yeah they're yeah, both what, very good and, and like I think um I think there's a lot of ways to say that like like either, it all got like arguments for either one of them being the best player of the set um so they're, they're my, both just like so so good at TFT my only hope is that it's not unanimous. I hope that it is contested between yeah. Setsuko and Re Replay for the rank one spot. Uh, and I hope that people... It should never be unanimous, I don't think. <laughs> no. no. I mean, <laughs> it was almost unanimous last set. It definitely was not... Who who was rank one at the end of the set in set six? Was it Goobums? Uh, it was Goobums, yeah. he went. It was Goobums, Ramblin. Uh, was it... It was either Goobum's Ramblin', no, Goobum's Milk. It was Goobum's Milk, milk. Ramblin', me, Setsuko, I think. Or maybe Setsuko, me, I don't remember. But it, it was definitely, yeah. it was Goobum's first, and I think it was Milk. It was like like the people who went to Worlds. Set 6 like, was definitely it's much always, more contested yeah. than uh, than set 7 and even set 8, I would say, for like rank 1. And mainly, yeah, because like what you're saying, it's like it's about who goes to Worlds. The difference with this set was the people who went to Worlds were also the people who performed the best the entire season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, in even in set six, it's like Goose, who had a poor set six, but really tightened it up at the end, got to go to Worlds. Even Goobums, he had he got first at the Zon Cup, if I remember, in the final day. But outside of that, I'm pretty sure he had pretty weak showings. So it's like we're not having one player or two players I mean, dominate. He at least got season. to the final day of... Um... He got. He was like, like totally. He was super smurfing the the final day of Innovator Cup until he had like one bad game and he just kind of tilted out. Um, gotcha. but he, he definitely. He, I think he was like pretty consistent. Like he was consistently good. I, I think he wasn't like winning everything, but mm. he was definitely consistently good. Sure, sure. I guess it's more like it wasn't like Setsuko and Dishop of this set where they they were both averaging below three point five all set long, and then yeah. Setsuko makes it to Worlds, right? And Re Replay and Weijin were kind of hot on their tails with, um, I think Weijin was kind of like three point five, three point six, and then Re Replay was like three point seven ish, and then after regionals, Re Replay joined them in that same uh, group. So it it's like this set, I think, is definitely going to be um, the set we'll look back on where. Until we win Worlds again, I think this will always be considered... You out mean in set nine? In set, set nine, that's right. <laughs> Until next set. This is going to be the set where I think we will actually think that we sent most of the strongest players in the region. You know what I mean? And even... Yeah, Juku, I agree with that. Like, Juku was obviously the wild card, but the man popped off at regionals and absolutely deserved his spot. Yeah, no, for sure. He, he had such a good regional performance. 
Yeah. We said have a very, very strong lineup. Sorry, I'm taking cool. a look real quick at all of oh, our uh, at some of the takes coming in just to see what, what people are talking about. But all right, I think that that's a good place to kind of wrap up set eight. And so this will actually be, I think, the end of the chapter. We're probably never going to talk about set eight again. So I want to open the floor. What was set eight again? <laughs> Let's both give some parting thoughts or some final words to set eight before we before we close this book. I don't like hackers. <laughs> and I also don't like bugs. <laughs> but you know what? I will you say like set six. I I I think uh I think set seven and set eight were kind of like a kind of almost dark history in, in TFT, right? Like it was kind of like I felt like set seven in particular, like a lot of people were unsatis- unhappy with, and then like set eight kind of it bled into that with like some balance issues and like some hacker, some hack, some, yeah, some hacker issues, uh, some like bugs and stuff. But I feel like um, I feel like set eight was definitely like it, it showed that like you know we're able to really claw our way up out of out of the ashes. You know, like the dev team did a really good job of, of trying to deal with everything, the problems as they came in. Um, Definitely had some really fun patches as well. Like, I think the end of set eight point five was actually really, really good, right? Like it, it, it took a while to get there, but like it ended on a really, really positive note. And I feel like you know set seven and set eight were like a, a slightly dark history in the in the TFT timeline, but it leads to leads to better shores, you know, and a brighter tomorrows. Set seven and set eight, interestingly enough, are the least I've ever played TFT. Uh, and maybe, <laughs> maybe, <flinky dink>. yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe for the better uh pretty much every game i would say like 95 percent of the games i played of 8.5 were just on my phone while i was like in the car or like after i was pooping <laughs> very 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 short game um it's it, you know i will say i didn't get to explore set 8.5 very much um but even though I haven't gotten to experience TFT the same capacity that I have in previous sets, I think that uh, the big picture of TFT is really trending upward. And I think that on a competitive level, set eight was really hype. And there were some awesome moments. We got to see Setsuko finally win his tournament, uh, his first tournament. Dish Soap came out and finally got to really get those tournament performances he's been looking for for the last two sets. Um, I got to watch one of the coolest openers I've ever seen, which was you playing Trade Sector, reroll, <laughs> and playing a totally different board. One Ezreal. <laughs> one Ezreal is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And on top of that, we had TC3, which was uh, a really, really fun celebration oh, of, a great event. of the regional yeah. community. So, um, and, and I. Summit as well. And Summit. And Summit. Yeah. And on top of that, I can't. Oh, I don't know that i'm allowed to say it yet i'm allowed to say that i got to go to the riot campus i got to go to the riot studio um uh, and do some tft stuff that isn't out yet but eventually will i think i'm allowed Ooh. to say that i'm pretty sure i'm allowed to say that you shaved Mort's uh, head that's right, that's right i shaved Mort's head uh so it's been a really cool couple months of tft and 8.5 i i truly did hardly know ye but uh <laughs> twas a pleasure <laughs> and so moving on to set nine the Wait, next mort set has hair right M- mort has I, hair i can't imagine mort's head like mort's facial hair is like, yeah no he has he has hair he's nothing not bald he has short hair 
I short think. hair. Short hair, long right? beard. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Okay. I just always focus on the beard when I look at more, or like I look at more, or think about more, or dream about more. You know, <laughs> like lovingly stroke That's my true, yeah. more. It's just eyes, <laughs> mouth, and beard, and nothing else. Just a flow. Yeah, like everything, everything like above the eyes. I just don't register. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> also, last thing before uh, before we move on to set nine, because I, I, this is where I had it in the run of show, is talking about the Soju documentary because I, I guess that's the other kind of big thing. Um, that happened. I know we talked about it at the opening of the show, but in case you're just joining us now, last week we released the K3 Soju documentary that I worked on with Medify. This has been a long time coming, um, and I'm really glad we finally got it out into the open. It um, Appy's mentioned earlier that Gosh, I got it. to show uh, him and Nature's, and I think maybe one other person, some of like the preview of it at Summit. And to see people actually react to it. I saw Trajan. Do you know Trajan uh, TFT? Or Trajan yeah. TC, I think it is now. Uh, he made a react video of him watching it and like <laughs> giving his thoughts. And I've never <laughs> had anyone do that to a piece of content I made before. And so... That, that's that's an honor. <laughs> yeah. You know, like almost in TikTok reaction space. I really felt this outpouring of love from the, the TFT scene. So I don't want to sit on that too long, but... Um, I just want to thank everyone for, for all the love that, uh, that they gave for, for the piece. And, um, hopefully Please it's not the it end. If you haven't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't already seen it, you can use the it command exclamation point. I did exclamation point. Well, anyway, someone else got it. <laughs> yeah. Exclamation point two Joe does nothing. Exclamation point Soju will bring you to the dock. And right, hang me. around after after the episode. Uh, I'm going to do a watch. <laughs> Everyone, I'm sorry, podcast listeners. Everyone in chat is just replacing the, the vowels of Soju's name. Um, so after the stream today, after Hyrule Radio, I'm going to go through and do a viewing of the documentary and I'll give you all some insight and some behind the scenes stories about how it actually got made and some of the crazier things that happened. Um, but yeah, the director's cut, the director's cut. Yeah. Behind director's commentary. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I guess director's I actually, cut would just be longer scenes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which I do yeah. have many scenes that never got uh, put anywhere, but they're not like interesting Time. enough to just release as deleted scenes. So I don't know, maybe Patreon one day it will make a director's cut. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Set nine, Rune Terror Reforged. It's out on PBE. It's crazy. There's a lot going on. Lots of people can't play PBE yet. Everybody is watching. It feels yes. like the popularity of this set on PBE is higher than what we've seen in the last couple, right? Ever. Yeah, no, it's, it's been like, like the queues are, the queues, the, the first couple of days, no one could get on at all. And now there's like this, uh, the queues are so big, like the, it's popular now that people have to, use like, like there are some accounts that are just like unable to like connect to the pbe eggs because it's just it's so full and like i don't know what dictates what accounts aren't able to but like mine for example can't so i'm like on my third separate account trying to like get games in it, it's been crazy you know the people will love it. it it's been like the the reception to set nine has been insane um like the amount of people trying it is, is kind of ridiculous which it might be partially because it was like a you know it's a return to like base league of legends stuff it's all base skins it's all you know That's it's all like, yeah the synergies and stuff are all like like places from league lore and it's very very cool uh there's all kinds of new mechanics there's uh, i think this is probably the biggest reason people are, are so excited for it is is uh legends 
Uh, do you want to talk about Legends do, Nick? Yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll break down what it does. And so just for context, I have I, I got to play on the preview event, so I've played a handful of games, uh, but I have not played any PvE, and I've hardly, I really have hardly gotten to watch. So, Appies, you're probably going to drive most of the conversation oh, on, I got you. on set nine, but I'll break down. So Legends, uh, before the game starts, you can choose a Legend, which will alter one of your augments every single time that an augment is offered. And they're all catered to whichever Legend it is that you choose. So for instance, you may choose something like Tom Kench, where all of the augments that he gives you are going to be tailored towards having more money. So you may be getting things like AFK or Rich Gets Richer or Hedge Fund, one of the new prismatic <laughs> augments that's pretty insane. Where you've uh, it's it's un, it's uncapped interest. It's at right? ten. It got capped to ten now because oh, so you can make interest God. up to a uh, hundred gold because it was ridiculous before. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And so yeah. that that's Tom Kench, for, and then there's other ones like Ezreal, where it's all about items. Draven, where it's all about killing units. Um, Earth, yeah, where it's all about getting emblems and, spats, and things like yeah. that. Yeah, so you, yeah. If you like you know. reforge your items every round, Vagar, you get like a ton of bonuses for like being an AP carry, like all kinds of like spell crit. And basically, what it is is um, so it, it gives you a fallback option. We talked a little bit about this earlier in the context of of like you seeing people's play styles and what units they buy, and what comps they like to play. But what this says is it, it, it gives it almost like a roguelike feel or like a, even more of that. It, or, you know, that lets you add even a little more personality into the game. Because, you know, if you're a person who really likes Econ Augments, now you can guarantee that you can play on Econ Augments every single game if you want. You just pick TK, right? If you are a guy who like, who's like, oh my god, Pandora's items? Holy shit, I love this. I, I love having Biss everything. Then you can just load in with TF and get Biss everything. You might be dead at, three two but you can greet your items all you want and re-roll every round um there's something for everyone there is like there's so many different cool ways to play the game that this the thing is like all these options you, know, you could hit all three of these all three uh, of the same augments not playing the legend right but the fact that you can do it with consistency means that uh like like you know you can have this fallback option very consistently that it, like it's going to draw a lot of people to the game because it just makes it so you can play your favorite stuff consistently right you can again if you just love money which a lot of people who play tft love money and love oh, gambling yeah. you just you can sit there full open get guaranteed afk or get richer or hedge fund and just make tons and tons of cash it's you know it's crazy and you know what something i thought about was even with like because my first thought when i see like legends and it's like oh forced augments is open fort players that was like my first thought um because it's like okay well now the people who want to play open fort are always going to be taking well, what are they going to um, take? Because actually, or like, yeah, right, but it, but it's like, a couple. but that's the point. It's like there's a couple, right? And yeah. that's really cool that open fort players can take Tom Kench for econ. They can take Vlad for um, stats on on lower health. They could take Pangu for tiny titans or metabolic. They could take, uh, I think there's like one other one. That I was thinking. Uh, Yi has some like good comeback stuff too. Yeah, that's some like ramping stuff like per round. So. It's really cool where even the players who may want to play one style actually have a lot of variation where they themselves can either theory craft or limit test. And I think it actually allows for um, small optimizations to to really come out. And I know Jirachi yeah. is in chat right now. I feel like Jirachi is like the kind of player I would imagine is going to test out a ton of different legends <laughs> to see the small optimizations based on what 
what degen two cost or one cost is is meta uh like which legend they may be flexing <laughs> between and that's like a really cool thing that i think because i think it does add variance and skill expression in <laughs> um even like this more like open fort style of play which personally yeah. i'm a big fan of as well and i think a lot of the worry around legends is that like people will find like the one best legend that like is is way stronger than other ones and like everyone will play that one legend but the thing is i think uh at least so far, I feel like there's a lot of room to play different ones, right? So, for example, if everyone wants to play, like, let's say, like, an open fort one's very strong. If everyone ever tries to play an open fort one, uh, then you can just play one of, the, one of the ones that has a strong early game, right? Like, one of the ones that gives you a bunch of items, one of the ones that gives you, like, Caitlyn, for example, gives you, like, two-star units and all kinds of early game power. Then you play that, and you just guarantee a top four, mm. right? And there's, like, there's ways, um, like, like, you're not punished for not picking a specific one, I don't think. Like you, you can you can definitely play whichever one you want and, and be okay. You don't you know I don't think necessarily they're all like the exact same power level, um, but they're I think they're close enough where like you won't just lose the game for not picking Vlad or TK or you know whatever. Yeah, I also feel like it's got to be. I imagine it'll be easier to balance by the time the set really matters. Like by the time a tournament yeah. comes, I imagine they will have enough data on all of the augments that you're guaranteed to see that they would probably tone them down where i imagine that like in a perfect world the offered augments are like a step below every other augment in strength right like because even now i think aren't like the second and third going to always be weaker uh no so what it is yeah so it's or so the um the every single legend augment is a little bit weaker in value than any other non no, well, every like, single one, not just the second. Yeah, yeah. Third. So even the two one one is like weaker than because they, they don't want because the thing with consistency has to come like a little bit less power, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is that's also something to try to curb the the like idea of one legend being stronger than everything else, and then it gets this whole yeah. thing where everyone just plays the exact same one. Um, so you know, theoretically, what they want is they want every. I don't think this is necessarily true right now, but they want every legend augment to be a little bit weaker than every non legend augment. Which makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, because yeah. it's it's at the end of the day, it's like um, even going back to the whole comfort, uh, like the, the the idea of comfort in TFT is that if you know X composition or X augment is is has a has a um, average placement of, of four point five, but it's my comfort comp that I know I can pilot better than the average player. It should be stronger in my hands because I know how to play it and I know the optimizations to make it an above average uh, line or yeah. an above average stat compared or augment compared to its stat. So I think that that makes a lot of sense to me. Where even if it is slightly weaker, that comfort and that consistency and the practice that you've had on that augment will probably make it about as strong as anything else because you know the yeah line, comfort right? comfort really makes a difference, right? Look at um, look at replay with his his AD infinity lines or like like rambling out arcanist lines in set six, right? Like there's mm-hmm. there's definitely something to be said for how much comfort actually affects how well you perform. So. I will say um, cool. just to call back to our last episode, there was or what, was it? All, it might have been ours or it might have been. Don't talk if you don't know. I actually can't remember. Um, someone asked replay about mech, and he was like, "Oh, I don't like playing mech." And they were like, "Why?" And he's like. 
well, those two units that you that you suck up could just be two Ramesses. <laughs> like now that we've actually seen worlds play out, it just makes so much sense, and I love that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it feels um, to kind of sum up that conversation. I think it feels really good to have legends. I think that like having this play style, the line that players can you know play something they're more familiar with, is going to be much uh, more digestible for viewers, and also it's going to give one extra rung for for fans to like hold on to something about the players that they like, and I think that's yep. really cool. The other thing about Rune Terror Forge is there are not one, but two set mechanics this time around, yes. is the portals. So the opening carousel is no longer in the game, which actually in of itself would probably be a great change yeah. for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> Dude, I, I literally, my whole play style is based on not being able to get the item I want. Um, <laughs> I'm opening carousel because I'm so bad at it. <laughs> so instead of the opening carousel this time around, we start the game with three different region portals, each themed around a different region of Runeterra. Each region has certain effects, which are kind of bl I'm blanking. I know like, like Noxus galaxies. are going to be, yeah, yeah. It's going to be like galaxies, yeah. but like, I know Noxus is more about like battle power, right? And like, oh, are there themes like that? I yeah, didn't realize yeah, yeah. That. They're, they're, oh. There's a through line for huh. every region. Like Bandle City is just like craziness, I think. And yeah. Uh, okay, wait, yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah there's all um, kinds of like crazy, wacky, quirky effects. You know, like there's there's one where you, everyone gets a, a crown that you can put on a unit and it gives a bunch of stats. But if that unit dies, you instantly lose the fight. Dude, I saw I, I <laughs> saw you streaming that game. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but at first yeah, I was yeah. like, I, I was like, what is this crown he keeps talking about? Because I never actually, I, I normally just have it on. I hear the audio. I'm not watching, and I tune in and I see like five units up. Like you're you are about to win a fight. Like the enemy, some I think it's an enemy Azir <laughs> or something is like the only unit left, and it kills one unit on your board, and you lose a fight despite having four other units left. Insane. I hate that, but. I, I'm sure a lot of people love it. Yeah, no, I I think I won that game in the exact opposite fashion. Like they had a bunch of units left, and my Kale randomly sniped out his year, and I won the game no because his year had their crown. Uh, and then the cool part too is that you get to vote on the galaxies. So like, there's three options at the start of every match, and you just walk over which which one you want. And rather than a majority vote, it's a it's a democracy thing. So it randomly picks one of the eight people, what one of what one of the eight people chose. So it can be like if some people stand on one and one person stands on another, you can still get the one. But, like, you have a pretty good chance of getting what the group wants. So it's pretty cool. It's very cool. So you get, there's, like, a you know, little bit of political aspect, like, hey, I'll FF at fourth if you pick this, if you stand on this with me. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are any of the portals, like, insanely troll? Or is there anything that's just, like, uh, I mean, there's one that the makes overtime start at 20 seconds instead of 30 seconds which is kind of insane there's and there, there's some definitely oh that's one of the vandal city ones. ones yeah 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 there are definitely some wonky ones i like there's one that guarantees super prismatic there's one that makes it so there's no augments there's one that just dude, randomizes everything I am just a, oh dude this is what's gonna happen it's gonna be the final game of worlds and <laughs> one person is gonna choose the triple prismatic <laughs> Triple Prismatic Portal. I guarantee you, quote me on this right now. That is going to happen at Worlds. I know it. And it's going to be like the one random European player who has no shot of winning. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> because Europe would never win. That's right. That's why the story is believable. No, but like, and then on top of portals and stuff, there's like all kinds of new augments. Like, like almost the entire augment roster got switched out to be new augments. 
there's uh, so hero augments are gone except for, like there's like two quote unquote hero augments that like make set and cast in really strong but they're not like I, you know they're not actually Wait, hero just augments them? yeah there's there's only ones for for them like there's one that makes cast in so basically it's basically a hero for cast yeah and there's one that's like a hero augment for set um to make them carries which is really cool and there's just a couple here and there and there's like trait uh augments back in so like augments that'll say like hey now juggernauts do all this on top of being a juggernaut or like have this bonus effect um which oh, you're taking out interesting so they're like transformative like they make them because yeah. i'm assuming you're saying cassidy and set are not carries and then with this this augment, yes they become yeah yeah carries. there's a lot of transformative augments which is really cool because that's instead, really, really you know, fun here outside of hero augments there was nothing transformative probably because it'd be a little broken if you had like a transformative trait augment with a hero augment in like the same mm-hmm. trait right uh but i really like i like that they're back it's gonna be fun um though there is i was telling you about this before there's this one fucking augment that i played against today that is the most ob- like it is the most obnoxious augment so to give you some context I have been, Darius is back in the set. He's a three cost and he dunks on people. So naturally I've been playing Space Jam in the background, like full opening into reroll Darius and just like, like going with Space Jam playing, right? And so he is a, he is a Noxus unit, right? Uh, And so I played a game today. It was a viewer game. And there's a guy sitting in, in eighth place and he has this augment called, I think it's called Petrocyte Chains, which is the Silas, name the Silas or something. And this augment says, your Demacia units do 15% more damage and 35% more damage to Noxus units. Wait, what? <laughs> like this fucking augment just says, hey man, oh, you were trying to play Noxus this game? Yeah, actually, fuck you. I don't like you. What? Like, what? what? Okay, it's, it's to Noxus units or units that have 100 more, 100 mana or more. But, like, what okay. the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, I felt targeted. <laughs> That's incredible. Dude, yeah, that is like the streamer nerf. That's actually just like the grief streamer augment. Like, I, I do not know what would, particularly because Darius is in this synergy, so I'll be playing this synergy a lot. Because yeah. I. I don't know if anyone knows. I, I have a lot of favorite units of all time, and I and they go back and forth. I think my my two favorite units of all time, though, hundred percent are one is is Divine Warwick, outside of Warwick shenanigans. Uh, two is any three iteration of three cost Darius that just dunks on people and gets mm. resets. And so I, I I cannot help myself. I will play that unit to death every single set he's in. And the fact that there's this fucking augment that says every time you play Darius, I would do twenty percent more damage to you because you play Darius. Like what? Dude, there is, is no world. That's insane. But that is okay. Wait, did uh, did he just like smoke you for the rest of the I game? Went Abe. <laughs> I went Abe. <laughs> I played him once and I beat him. Wait, so how, <laughs> how good is uh is Darius? Can you like open fort? into into like no. darius on three six or something is it no you can't oh, i guess I, uh, with gold, I, gold difference too right so the xp difference i yeah I, what i tried to do all day i, I I've, I've theory crafted what it actually is um because so what i tried to do all day was i, I just played tk and then i took an econ i went on two one then i full opened until level seven and tried to play darius and they missed mm-hmm. every time and I, it was not fun. <laughs> but so what i what i realized though if you remember forgotten from set five what people would do is they would open stage two ish. They just yeah. hold forgotten units and they'd roll down on level six to yep. get six forgotten and they just streak forever, right? So, what Noxus says is a synergy is that every time you beat an opponent, that opponent is like they are on your 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 shit list. Like you have you have officially beaten them for the rest of the game. 
and you get a 10% boost to the stats from Noxus for the rest of the game for every opponent that you've beaten at least once or that winning opponent that's dead. And so it gives like HP, AP, and AD. Um, and so what I realized is that I, th I think the way to play it is that you, and there's also like a really good, there's a lot of really good units in it in that, um, so Cat is another three cost that is a like really good AP unit. Darius is an AD unit this set, not an AP unit. Uh, and then like there's Swain as a tank and there's like other, you know, juggernauts you can play as a tank. Like Nasus can be a tank. He's not in Noxus, but basically what you do is you can do a very similar thing to Forgotten, I think, where, you know, you play some kind of, um, I think he's probably going to ideally be a strongest board. I mean, like something that gives you a bunch of items like Ez or, or items like, like, um, Urgot or not Urgot, uh, what's his name? Um, Orn. I say Orn. Yeah. Orn gives you Orn items yeah, as a, as a legend. Uh, or even like um, something like Earth, who gives you like a bunch of spats and stuff. And then what you do is you just open-ish stage two, just hold Noxus units because there's a, cause the thing is it's a it's a three six nine as a synergy as the breakpoints, but the first six units in it are one two and three costs. Oh, there's two one cost, two two costs, two three costs. Um, so what you can do is you can open-ish on stage two, and then on three two you roll down, you hit six Noxus, then you streak till you know, whenever you beat everyone once mm -hmm. matchmaking <laughs> more, more dog. Sure. Uh, if he, if he lets you play everyone and then you just have all these extra Noxus stats and you, uh, and you just like reroll, then you reroll on seven. Um, I think that's how you actually play it. That's interesting. But, uh, my, my like first gut reaction is like, well, cause I'm trying to remember. Cause in, in set Five, you were still playing reroll cat, right? Is that what it was like when you were playing Forgotten? Like you either reroll cat or you play Draven uh, at level you eight. No, like, you play Vein one. <laughs> I guess it depends on the patch. There were like so many different Forgotten. Yeah, patches. it was it was almost always just Vein carry, and then like you could play cat carry if you hit, but like it was almost always just like yeah, yeah. playing items on Vein. The my my issue is like okay, well if you're if you're rolling to ten on six. It is a lot harder to reroll on seven, right? Because you're like tanking your econ unless you're actually just like full streaking for the next. Well, the idea is that you you just be winning, but the, yeah. you, you probably you roll below ten. I think you actually just roll until you're the strongest person in lobby by far on three two, and then you just win. Because the thing is, you get so many stats as well from from having Sismasi in that like you will mm. just you yeah, level guess... to seven. You play like anything and then and the things you have a spat from earth as well it becomes way easier you don't have to hit one of the three costs and there's just like all kinds of cool cool ways to like like dip in and out of the synergy when i played until some, some guy takes the plus 35 percent damage to noxus units so sorry when i so in set five i played a lot of of nocturne and the way i kind of gauged how strong nocturne was on any given patch was at four seven how stable is my my level seven board and that's kind of like a good indicator because most of the time you're not hitting your three star three cost by the end of stage four, right? Like yeah. most of the time it's coming after that. The idea is like how much health do you still have and how much are you able to maintain up to that point in time? Because once you hit five one, you're really trying to you're trying to hit as as soon as possible. So that makes sense to me if like you feel like Darius and a six uh, six Noxus board is able to stabilize you through stage four, right? But like, yeah, I think you have items for cat in Darius. It can, it can work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down. I mean, I, so I also, I also played a ton of space jam in set three. That was like pretty much so all fun. I played. It's such, <laughs> such a good, it's such a good comp. So I'm down. Well, he was a two cost in set three, wasn't he? He was, he was a, he was a, he was a three cost in set four yep. with fortune. Um, yeah. Yeah. I liked the set three so version fun. a little better personally. He was cool. 
And yeah, then 3.5, like, you just couldn't play it any, anymore because they got rid of Cassadin uh, or yep. whatever. I think it was Cassadin, something like that. It was Anyway, sad. I'm down, I'm down to what? Huh? What did you say? Oh, I was saying it was sad. When, uh. when, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think you said it was Zed, and I was like, it definitely wasn't Zed. <laughs> no, it was not Zed. Spirit yeah, Zed yeah. was the thing, though. Okay. Portals, Augments, Legends. Am I forgetting anything about set nine? I feel like we've hit most of the different bullet points, uh, right? I think I think that's it. Yeah, it, it's looking fun. I mean, as long as I take out that that Noxus augment, so I can play Darius on you know unhindered, then we're good to go. We're right as rain. Good set. I, d- I don't know if he's still here. I know Blind was actually uh, in the caller queue and wanted to hop in. Blind, if you're still watching, this is actually a great time to come on because I know what you had was a little bit less about like set nine specifically, but kind of about. Um, onboarding the new player in in general. So if you are still around, feel free to hop into one of the caller queues, and I'll I'll bring you on whenever you whenever you get in there. Um, but until then, there is something else we want to talk about because obviously we have all this new stuff with Set Nine. We have not seen the competitive calendar for Set Nine yet, but something they have announced in the competitive landscape is the Set Ten LAN event taking place in Las Vegas in on December eighth through tenth. It's going to be a 512-person open bracket event, meaning anybody can enter, but it is going to be priority given based on set nine ladder. Yep. This is like the most exciting news TFT has ever received. Apart from like maybe Summit is like the other like most exciting news. Or like TC4 when that gets announced. True. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) What What was your first reaction to all this? check my bank account and see how i get to la <laughs> yeah. dude it's gonna be so cool i can't believe they actually like they're they're doing it like tft esports is, is like tft is a, is a thing is just growing and growing and growing and, and like set nine is having such a good reception and like pd is so packed you can get on there's a land announced for set 10 like this is the dream like tft is is hitting the big time I'll tell you what feels good yeah, I mean, I think, and actually, Kane is talking about it in chat right now. That I hope streamers will set goals for raising money for TFTCon, which is the uh, for anyone listening is the name that people are kind of giving this this big tournament for Set Ten <laughs> TFTCon. I think that's a really great point, Kana, because it would feel so incomplete if there are all these names in TFT that just don't have the means to make it because it's expensive you go to las vegas you're there for a weekend like i imagine las vegas is not a super cheap place to to spend yeah (laughs) uh even if you are like a relatively frugal person and not trying to like go out and do all this crazy stuff like it's just expensive to fly out there hotel whatever the entry or venue fee is going to be which is a whole nother discussion i know like bryce and, and milk when they were talking about the conversation um, with Sherman where we're trying to predict what that venue entry fee would be. I'm not exactly sure. I don't, I don't, I would be surprised if the entry fee itself is very high. Um, I yeah. feel like Riot is just going to like dump money of their own into the price pool. I, I would be shocked if they were, were relying on entry fees in order to feed the actual prize pool. Um, but still it's an expensive weekend. So it would be, I think, like, Appy's, obviously, you're, like, the kind of person who you should 100% have, like, sub goals or donation goals or all yeah, that kind sure. of stuff to, like, make it out there. Because it would feel so, so bad if we have a huge international LAN event and you were not there. It's going to be fun. I, I, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we both make it out and we can have a good time. 
Oh yeah, I'm gamble on TFT instead of on the casino. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I feel like Appies and I are definitely too like um, we would not go to <laughs> on like the spectrum of like TFT uh, between like a wholesome and Dgen. We're like definitely closer to the wait. Which side did I say was wholesome? This one. We're definitely more on the wholesome side. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we just be in a hotel room playing melee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh man, but yeah. still, like, I really do hope that people because you know that's, that's the other thing to think about is there's so many people that have never experienced TFT on land, and I'm yeah. not suggesting that like the TC events are anything like TFT con, but the camarader- camaraderie and like being able to go out to to the diner with your friends after tc is like such a fun experience that i look forward yep. to every time and i it's exciting that like so many people are finally going to be able to experience that kind of stuff in tft no it's going to be it's going to be revolutionary for a lot of the community i think that people are going to go there they're going to be like holy crap this is like this is what we want and then hopefully it inspires right to do more right to do more and more lands and get a land world at some point like a land regionals can you imagine dude oh we and we oh, were so close God, be to so it, good. Like, Set seven having the the casters in studio, like even kind of going back to the Soju doc, like um the fact that I was able to cut to like Bryce and Frodan and and Cass on the desk freaking out about Soju, like oh these moments in TFT history hit so much harder when things are on land, yes. like and even going to the TC events, like our events are not that hype, they're they're friendly, they are like about having memories together as a, a good time playing tft together and even then it's like think about all the moments that we have off. that are because they're on land yeah like kevin ram kept screaming, screaming constantly <laughs> like pocky gum having 300 gold and like walking around the venue and like eating his snacks and stuff like everyone holding up their dragon ball z energy drinks from the five below next door like there's all these it's really so fun good. moments Land really changes a lot for for any community for any, any esports thing. So if, if you know if we can get to a point a point in TFT a point what's this a point, point. a yeah. point in TFT uh, where like you know regionals is like riot you know flying the players out to go compete in the big studio and there's like you know interviews and like like all kinds yeah. of fun like little pieces of content to play in between like that would be so so cool and the big thing is that. That's going to inspire some people to want to get in on it too, right? Because like, if I'm a player, if I'm an upcoming player, and I see that like, oh man, if I do well enough in this tournament, like they're gonna, I'm gonna get to play in the studio with like meet all these other players. Like that is so much motivation. Yeah, and it's gonna just make the scene flourish for sure. If it becomes a thing. I I really believe that TFT is on the cusp of something great, you know, and I think the next year is going to be. The, the testing ground for Riot to say, I, probably after set nine, I guess it's more like December onward, it's going to be Riot's time to say like, hey, if we put some money in this, if we help with some of the legwork, will the community really bite and support this scene that, that we've had going for a while? And uh, man, I really hope it works. Because <laughs> yeah. seeing TFT Me pop too. off would be so crazy. I, I We're right there. We really are. It's just I know. that one last step. Now the last couple of steps, maybe, but I'm also curious to see if uh like with this investment in to like the TFT competitive landscape, if 
We're also going to see Riot start to invest in like tools for the the tournament spectating experience. Obviously, like the problem of everybody want, wants to watch their favorite player stream instead of the main broadcast is such an interesting problem. And I think Riot's really going to have to be creative to find a solution. But I still think that that is like a very key part that they need to solve if they want to see TFT grow. Because our yeah. viewership is there. It's just not on the it's main scattered. broadcast. Yeah, yeah it's, it's scattered. scattered. Yes. Yep, you got to bring all the all the clans together and you know make one big thing somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> That's their job. Not my my yeah. job is to play the game. <laughs> all all that to say to kind of wrap up this set ten thing is it's going to be so cool to see all these people in person. We got to see some people at Summit, but so many people we didn't get to meet yet. Um, so yeah. everybody try and make it out to TFTCon in in December. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now we didn't get we didn't have a ton of takes coming in, but we did have Blind. I mentioned it earlier, and I'm going to bring him on because he had a pretty interesting question, and we'll we'll talk about his take, and then we'll probably wrap up after that. Uh, so let's let's go ahead and bring him on. Blind is here. Blind, if you want to unmute yourself and let me know where you're calling from. <laughs> hey, everyone. So glad to be here. Thanks so much for taking my call. I'm calling from Toronto, Canada here. Deja vu. Uh, that's right. Weird. Deja vu. Um, all right. Now, Blind, if anyone does not know who you are, we know that you were super involved in the Discord, the official TFT Discord. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know this part, Blind was basically my producer for Hyrule Radio when we first started. He workshopped all this stuff with me and... Uh, you know, helped us kind of figure out exactly where we were going. And I haven't talked to you in very long, Blind. So first off, it's great to hear from you. But uh, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so cool being on, on this side of the fence here since, um, you know, usually I'm on the other side helping you produce. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, what's funny enough is uh, I actually left uh, everything TFT to go work in a, another game studio and, and couldn't stay just due to conflict of interest. But a lot of what we talk about and, and what I spend my time about is, is figuring out how are we going to get a mass adoption for our game and, and what are what are the avenues we should probably look at. And one thing that I think it, it always comes down to when it comes to player adoption is really about uh, the support of, of content creators. And I, I think you actually have like a pretty interesting angle on this, Gangly, where um, not only did you just do the, the Soju doc, congratulations on that, it was great, I watched it. Um, but as well, like you're also from the Smash community, and I think the, the the Smash community is like an interesting case study where it's it's a game that more or less is essentially dis disowned by its its own creators, not yes. not 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 even fed into, not even promoted, uh, almost completely like community based. But for some reason, it's still driving as a cult classic, and and time and time again, you see like these these documentaries on Smash and and how the the players who create content and guides like are almost keeping the the game alive and the community alive by being really that heartbeat so i'm curious like what your take is on how do you think you know content creators really take a, a play in, in growing tft as we're seeing now that's a great question love that i love that uh blind thank you for the for the take and appies i don't know do you want to go first because i feel like i have a lot to say but if, if oh you go for it you go for it I think that when I look at, uh, oh, wow, hey, CLE, thank you so much for the raid. appreciate that, man. When I think about content 
in in TFT. Actually, and this thing, Appies and I have talked about a lot. Um, I look at one of my my good friends in the melee space. Turned down for Walt is his is his name. If anyone who doesn't know who that is, he's a, a melee content creator that does a lot of documentary stuff, but also covers these big moments, kind of flashy moments of not just melee, but also Smash Ultimate, PM, other other Smash or melee adjacent games. Um, and the the role that Walt plays in that scene, I think, is so important because his goal is really, if I want to learn, um, if someone wants to learn about Melee in general, not about anything specific, just they want to learn about what this scene is, they know that they can go to this to his channel. Um, and, and that kind of drives me to something I've been thinking about recently in Appy's, where we were talking about this before the show, where I've even been asking myself, if somebody wanted to, uh, or no, let me rephrase this. Who do I want to be in TFT? I think that's an important question for every single content creator in this space because the reality is it's really hard to get people's attention. And I personally think that specializing in certain things is is a really important job for every content creator because it makes all of what you're doing so much more digestible, right? Like, and it even circles back to on the pro player side. Like when we're talking about, it's better when you put players in a box. It's better when you know Appies as the flex player who wants to play wacky boards that make sense and aren't just like the meta-defined builds. On the content side, to me, it's like, okay, well, um, you know, maybe... I am producing documentaries in TFT and maybe Milk is making these like more lifestyle kind of like personality things. And then Dishsoap is the rank one player who's always posting VODs of like him just popping off and stomping on on players. I personally feel like a very healthy um, landscape of content looks like a bunch of people who specialize in different parts of an ecosystem and are able to reach a very niche audience. And I think the hardest part about it is being satisfied with the fact that they're reaching that niche audience so that they can dig deeper into that. Because um, one, one struggle I find personally is that my content, I know it's niche. And I know that most people in TFT don't watch my content. And the question I have to ask myself is, am I okay with knowing that I'm not going to reach a larger audience because I believe in the content that I'm making? Uh, and I think that that's a really hard question because of like the nature of creator economy. Uh, and it's obvious it's something where like if I was trying to go full time, could I still afford to do that? And I personally am not, that's not a goal of mine, but um, for many people it is. And so they have to kind of balance this this act of wanting to do what they think is right for the community wanting to do what they think is right for them and at the same time uh trying to balance like staying relevant and like pushing the uh pushing the envelope and staying um you know at the top of people's minds and so i think that there's not a really great answer but to me i feel like it's the responsibility of the creator in each individual ecosystem to be responsible for a certain part of the game and finding what works for you and what role you play in the big picture uh, i know that was a lot of rambling but i feel like i don't have a good rambling concise way of, of saying all that <laughs> Appies, i don't know if you want to if you want to say anything no i mean i totally agree i think even from like the streamer perspective of content creation right it's like a very you have to find your niche and you have to um, you know, there's like a small, like mid-sized streamer. Like I, you know, I know my niche is the, the people who don't want to mold, <laughs> right? True. <laughs> and yeah. I'm okay with that. And that's, that's kind of what I want to make. And that's, um, you know, I'm high with that and that's, that's what I do. But 
they definitely have to know what you what you want to do and you have to know you have to be okay with it and you have to you know be willing to dig deeper into it so blind i'm actually curious to hear your perspective because as much as you're asking us i feel like you are more qualified to talk about this than i am yeah um <laughs> so i i think you you're both right and and what i think tft has going for it that it, it very much is a um what i call like a, a cult game like i i think on, on a surface level you, you can i i have some friends who like enjoy tft like haha i'm just gonna click all the blue units right but i think you really like to enjoy the uh the magic of tft you really have to get into it you really have to drink that kool-aid and 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 submerge oh, yeah. yourself into oh the yeah <laughs> and, 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 yeah right like you really got to get into the nitty-gritty of it and i feel like just because there is that interaction with tft i i think we're going to be totally fine when it comes to uh, people just really committing into what they love and, and enjoying it and just enjoying the process and the journey so i don't think we're going to have really any problems on that front i think it's just more like a matter of time but what i'm more curious of is is really like what happens when we start to get more eyeballs and, and thus, you know, the dollars come? I mean, what, what you did with the Soju doc was cool. Um, but, but what happens like when, when we see 10 more of those, right? Well, like what happens when we see uh, other creators getting more incentives to do things like that? I, I think like really that's going to be uh, the next catalyst, right? I, I think uh, prize pool was something that was uh, up, up for debate. Like that, that was really like the first lever. But I think we're also getting there to the point where like the prize pool is, is at a level where you know an extra couple thousand like really isn't going to make that much of a difference i i think really the the next growth of expansion will probably come from when we start seeing uh, money pouring into creators supporting the scene yeah i think you raise a really good point there blind that increasing the prize pool a couple thousand dollars is not going to make a difference but pouring money into the creators will that's i i, I can't stress enough how important that is because let me just say this like I got to make the soju doc as a job, right? Like I got to do, to do that for work, which was an incredible blessing. Like I could not have asked for a better project to take on. And the reality is like my documentary is featuring people, maybe not soju himself, but other adjacent players who without them, the scene would not be able to survive. And despite that, they are not necessarily meeting and meet in the way that they're hoping because our scene is not one that really supports many people apart from the very, very top. And I can't stress enough that it is incredibly important that if TFT is going to be in a healthy space long term, I think that it's, I mean, I don't know if it's Riot's responsibility to actually be able to support every creator or or what have you, but I think that the, the, the eSport landscape of TFT needs more creators to be able to sustain themselves and not just the happenstance of them saying like, okay, well, I can, I can afford to wait a little bit longer and maybe I'll get lucky. I think we just need to find a way to make more room for these creators to feel comfortable doing this full time. And this is definitely more of an appy's kind of take than me. Sorry for like taking the floor there. Oh, you're good. I I totally forgot what they. <laughs> I was like, I was just like sucked into your. <laughs> uh, basically, blind was just saying that like it would be more impactful money, for I, the for the for the. Sorry, yeah, I, I remember now. Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I like I like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if I can say it any better than you did. I I I think um like I, I don't know. I agree. I don't know if it's Riot's responsibility to like support every creator, right? Um. 
but I think they're like, like certainly the next step is not like, like, you know, extra few thousand dollars in the competitive scene isn't going to make the next, I don't think that's going to be what makes, you know, little Timmy pick up a, a keyboard and to start playing TFT. Right. You know, I, I think like being exposed to high quality content and to like, you know, kind of a lot of motivation behind it is going to be what makes little Timmy pick up the keyboard and play TFT. So, and, and I will say like, even on the content side, I think that there is so much that we could be doing. And I, I don't want to like reveal my hand because I am, I'm currently, <laughs> I'm working on a, on a pitch right now that I'm trying to get off the ground. But I think that there's a lot of content that Riot could be taking advantage of that not only benefits Riot because of the eyes coming into the landscape, but also um, content that would really benefit some of the creators in our space to get more eyes on them so that they could find third-party monetary support through other means apart from Riot. I don't necessarily think it's Riot's responsibility to support these players on their own, but I do think that if Riot wants a healthy landscape in TFT, that they really need to be putting effort into raising their their um you know their players and their what's the word i'm looking for i guess like influencers and content creators up so Mm -hmm. that's yeah hope that wasn't like too too long-winded for you blind no i i I actually love this conversation and and this is something i I try to wrap my head around almost every day in in regards to like my field um i i don't want to divulge like too much about what i'm working on but there's actually like an interesting case study in, in my industry where um, a, a notable strategy that's starting to come up for uh, budding game studios is actually like approaching uh, other content creators and, and giving them like one specific uh, area for them to, to either report or create content on. And, and what happens is, is uh, by only giving them like one angle, when you have like five, six, seven, eight different creators all doing a different angle, it kind of creates this like puzzle piece of, of content that you learn through. Uh, organically by when you watch one person's uh you know whether it's it's a it's a it's a written content or whether like it's a video post whether when you consume it uh what happens is you you get insights into one area but it when you consume somebody else's which is like a completely different area now so it's no longer the same information it it kind of compounds onto each other and like it enhances and i think like i don't believe that that's riot's responsibility um, at the end of the day, they are a game studio, and games are extremely expensive to make and extremely difficult to make. Um, so, of course, you know, for them, it's it's just, hey, let's keep the game afloat. Sure. Um, which yeah. you know, we're we're starting to see like growing pains as well, like with PBE. But I think that's that's an interesting <laughs> lever for for them to possibly look down because I know, um, you know, like early on when they did, uh, what was it, the the creator program through Drew League, where like you got the account with like all the skins, like. I, I think they're still open to doing things like that, but who knows? We're just speculating at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know I can say like on my end from my experiences talking to people from Riot that they really do want like the people I've spoken to, at least personally, they really want to do more. I think honestly, a lot of it comes down to like they it's easier for Riot to support people who are doing cool things than it is for them to do it themselves because you know, with any large company, there's a lot of red tape, there's processes and blah, blah, blah. It's mm-hmm. easier to be agile. And I'm not saying this, let me make this clear. This, to, to, you know, my disclaimer is that like, I'm not saying this as someone who doesn't work for Riot and I have no idea what I'm talking about, but this is just my, <laughs> my personal experience that it seems like it's easier for them to be more agile by supporting people who do cool things in the space than for them to just say like, hey, we want to do this, let's do it. Um, so yeah. yeah. 
All right, Blind, we are going to take one last call before we wrap up for the night. So thank you so much for hopping in. It's great to talk to you again, man. Do you have anything you want to shout out? No, just thanks so much for everyone who, who's here supporting the scene. 75 viewers. Wow, we're, dude, we're doing great. Remember when, when we first started, we were just like struggling with 10? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was yeah, thank you to you, gang. We thank you, Spicy. Like, you guys are really just carrying the torch for, for TFT, and, and thank you for everything you guys do. All right, thank you so Kiss much, man. We'll, we'll see you later. See ya. See ya. All right. Now, I'm going to get one last caller in here before we wrap up for the day. He was in chat earlier. He is... Oh, wait. I moved Appies. Huh? Wait, hold on. I just screwed up everything. <laughs> I just moved Appies out of the Discord. Everything's fixed now. Oh, I got and, you. And Protroid oh. is here. No, you're good, Appies, now. I fixed it. <laughs> Protroid, where are you calling from? I am a mess today. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, it, it's fine. Listen, I've been dealing with the same smoke that you've been dealing with all day so that's right that's right i'm i'm also new jersey if that didn't give it away for folks who don't know but boy it's been a day let me tell you sure has i bet what do you want to talk about pro droid well i i kind of want to build off of what uh blind was talking about actually just because there are so many responsibilities just within a community in order to build it up to make it what we want it to be like i know i'm kind of stealing your thunder there a little bit because i think you said a very similar point to that during blinds portion but everyone does have the a say in what a community is at the end of the day we want to say who's going to be in it who's a part of it and just generally it's our job in my opinion to make it as inclusive as possible that's why i do everything i do with ages it's why i did stuff with compete league way 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 back in the day if folks want to dig that up or even remember whatever the hell that is so i just sort of want to more piggyback on that just to say yes it's everyone's job to make this community they want it to be and we should be doing that that's all i got <laughs> yeah i mean i definitely don't think there's much of a uh a contrarian take that, that either of us would want to take on this opinion i'm not here to throw fire or anything like yeah that. yeah <laughs> well, one thing i think uh, something i would definitely want to say pro troid and like i think great evidence of this is actually and i know i feel like i talk about it every every single week is like the or every like 10 minutes honestly is the tactician's crowns events like i think that even yeah. when you look at how an event like that comes together so much of it is the merging of passions right like Protroid, for anyone who doesn't know, is our head of commentary for the TC stuff. He he's the one that puts the the commentary schedule together. He's the one that brings people in, um, heads up that whole part of it. I definitely, you know, I'm interested in commentary. I would love to be able to do more of that kind of stuff. But I also recognize that that's a strength of Protroids, right? And that's a specialization he has. And I think that there's a certain strength in being able to let go of the reins and let other people take over with where they specialize. That. Um, obviously we can see that on the content side, but I also think it's just like a general part of life that like applies to so many other parts, uh, outside like the actual, um, like content sphere itself. Some goat takes today, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) It's definitely true. I mean, like, uh, I I really do love working tactician's crown just a ton, not only because I can sort of gloat and say, oh, this is one of the first, uh, we, these are some of the first land events that we've seen post-COVID, or mm-hmm. at least after the worst of COVID. So through all of that kind of together, we already have these amazing insights of what to expect when we see TFTCon coming in December, where I want to see folks running around IRL scouting. 
I want to see people just going. I want to hear Ramkid scream. I really hope he's there because I want everyone to he better know that be, yeah. when he you be. are watching, when, when you're watching the main broadcast at TC and you hear a noise in the background, nine times out of ten, that's Kevin. Like, yes. yep. plain and simple. I love it. He always sits uh, at a computer by the commentary desk yeah. as well. You guys oh, yeah, kind no, of no, claim he, he that, knows, uh, knows. that section. Yeah. No, and yeah. so, you know, I. Um, oh, sorry, Pro Trade. If there's, did you want to follow up with anything? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, it also kind of comes into like uh, back to like what everyone's roles and responsibilities are. Like for me, I kind of see myself as, as, as you said, that commentator perspective where my job at Aegis is basically to say, hey, you want to learn how to commentate? Cool. I will teach you how to do that so you can commentate. Mm -hmm. And kind of through all of that, we're able to see a lot of amazing talent be able to come in through the scene like say for example cle the person who raided you earlier they started at aegis i remember they reached out to me just out of the blue i think because lawrence redirected them to me and we had a phenomenal conversation about how to cast he has really gotten an act of it i'm really happy we were able to bring him out for tc3 and i hope when tc4 happens he'll be part of that conversation too and it's the same thing with other folks in the scene, like Sir Blackpea, who's in Brazil that folks here might not know as well, but he's absolutely phenomenal on that scene. You also have the fact that there's a Z-Boy Wonder who started as a Twitch, is still a Twitch streamer, but really was able to just slide into casting and have that immediate knack for it. And then you even see a bunch of other folks like uh, Purple Pouring and uh, Yenwei, who are both familiar names if you follow the more... Uh, professional circuit behind the scenes mm -hmm. and from there it is really great to see everyone just getting involved so and i also sims. want to sing praise i want to shout out sims because i gave you time oh, yes yes uh, yeah I, I feel like sims is another person that needs to be shouted out it is like so cool to see all these different people in tft with specializations in in different areas that you know we can really point to and yeah, you know what? Blind says in chat, the magic of this community is amazing. And it really, it really is true. Oh man, I'm like feeling kind of nostalgic right now. <laughs> I don't even know exactly where it's coming from, but like the, uh, the last time, gifts, you know, this is the last time I'm going to talk about the, the TC events, but like they're the magic that like that feels, it is magic. Like to me, when I think about the the coming together of this community and it's like we're sitting down at the end of event at at a at a diner and like you know we're like telling jokes about the day and reflecting on how everything went and we're dreaming about like what what's going to happen next like the magic is there and i know we're kind of diverging from like the original take now but to kind of circle back um, the beautiful thing about this scene is that we are the conglomerate of so many different talents and passions and people and interests. And to be able to see all of that come together is just so beautiful. <sighs> Love this game. Yeah. And the community yeah, like is far broader than any of us could even imagine, right? Because, like, you know, there's, there's so many different sections of it and so many different nooks and crannies. And, like, TMT just brings so many people together. It's really cool. It's very, very cool. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, Appies, you and I, we, we talked about, like, going into Summit. We're, like, friends, but not, like, super close. And then we, like, kind of meet up at Summit. And, like, all of a sudden, it's like, holy cow, like, how have I not been 
best friends with this guy like my yeah entire, right like he's like a college roommate yeah right like, there there yeah. really is a certain magic about tft that brings people together and it's just so fun to like yep. be able to capture that um so i'm i'm really thankful for this scene and pro troy thanks thanks for that but this scene. is like a, a great way to kind of end end the, the uh the episode so before you go is there anything I'm, you want to shout out well, I'm always here for feel good. I'm always here for hype up, as I think folks who follow me on, uh, you know, uh, twitter.com slash protroid are able to sort of know that. <laughs> but also, I'm going to plug all the Aegis folks. Uh, they're doing uh, a weekly tomorrow on PBE. I believe that all works out. So if you want to join in and get some PBE tournament action, go over there. And if you want to learn how to commentate, please reach out. I am always telling people or it's helping to explain how this kind of goes. I almost said telling people what to do. And that sounds wrong. <laughs> and keep an eye out for a DM because I'm going to try to play in a lot of ages stuff. This, uh, this we'll set. do. We'll so, do. Yeah, I'm going to ask you for like the ages pipeline. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I will connect you to the folks you need to be connected with. Okay, sweet. Sweet, sweet. All right. Protroid, thank you so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. All right. And just Dude, like TFT that. Fucking rocks. Yeah, it does, man. <laughs> not this to, not to, you know, drop a, <laughs> drop a, an F word, but it fucking rocks. It's okay. Jovi's not here anymore. You're, uh, That's you're good. good. I, I always feel so bad. Whenever <laughs> 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 I swear I'll stream. You're like, oh yeah, Jovi's right here. <laughs> All right. I think that's a great way to to end the episode. For anyone who's watching right now, don't go anywhere because as soon as the episode's over and I'm going to do a little, like, you know, I'll wrap up everything with Appies, make sure we're good to go. But then I'll be back in like three minutes and we're going to do a watch through of the, the K3 Soju documentary and um, we'll watch it together. I'm going to give a little bit of my commentary. I'm going to give you some insight and some behind the scenes stories on how it came together and also some pretty interesting things that kind of changed the how the documentary turned out drastically in the middle of the production. And just like a little taste in case you're watching this on the podcast version um, and, and can't just like stay to watch it later. The documentary actually changed about halfway through and I had to throw half of it out <laughs> and redo it because of something that happened so if you guys want to learn a little bit more about Hi. what happened in, uh, in the making of this doc just stick around don't go anywhere we'll be we'll be back in a little bit but appies that was episode 13 um any any final words or shout outs before we go kiss a homie to all <laughs> all right everybody thank you all so much for supporting the show uh as always it's been a pleasure i'm gangly this is spicy appies and we will catch you next